0: Hey, folks, and welcome to the Typology Podcast. We're happy that you're here, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, and before we go any further, I would like to introduce our host, Ian Cron. Ian, how are you doing?
1: I am doing mighty fine. It's a beautiful day here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's about 73 degrees outside. The sun is coming in. I got my kids uh, here in, uh, with me. My adult children have decided to move from New York uh, to us. My other one and her husband are thinking about coming here from San Francisco, I got that, which would mean we would have three dogs. <laughs> no, we, we have two dogs, and we're about to get a puppy on, on June 3rd. We're getting another dog. So we would have a puppy, two dogs, our three adult children. And their uh, partner and, and, and uh, uh, husband. So that's going to be fascinating, isn't it? Well,
0: anybody who comes at this time is going to want to stay because we're having West Coast weather. So it's, it's perfect, right? It's right? amazing.
1: It, it's right. <laughs> yeah. I keep telling my kids, get out of San Francisco and get here fast, you know.
0: That'll be fun to have so, them around. Well, hey, we want to let everybody know that we uh, have got some exciting news. We are moving our podcast to YouTube, we're still on our podcast platforms, Apple and Mm -hmm. Spotify and all those places you can find the podcast. But we are now on YouTube where you can actually watch the show. You wanna speak into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I have been looking forward to this for a long time because one of the things I know as an Enneagram teacher and practitioner is, I learn a lot about people's types from um, how they dress, how they, by their facial expressions, by, mm-hmm. by their, the you know, everybody has a certain energy that they really radiate. I mean, let's just face it. A sevens energy is a lot different than a one's energy, or a twos is different than a fives. And, and man, to be able not just to hear these different types of people that we're blessed to have in the studio with us, to hear their voices, but to see their faces, and you learn twice as much about that type in their lives. I mean, it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, we do. We have so many cues uh, that you see that that we don't speak. So, Um, well, we want to tell everybody to go to youtube.com slash C slash I M C R O N for Ian Morgan Cron. And also, if you just go to YouTube and just type in there, Ian Morgan Cron, uh, you're the first one that pops up, of course. So. Uh, we'd love to have you join us on the YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe to Ian's channel. And then also we have a special, uh, right now on the IEQ9. You want to tell us about that?
1: Yeah. You know, we have a lot of people who aren't sure of their type or want to know, get a deeper, more robust understanding of their type. Um, and so we have this IEQ9 assessment. If you actually just went to my website, ianmorgancron.com, you would see a tab for the IEQ9, uh, and, uh, if you, uh, another way, com forward slash uh, uh, assessment. And if you enter the code EP, so like Edward Peter 2020, you'll get a 20% off uh, on that IEQ9 assessment, oh, that's which great. is a, a fairly meaningful savings. So.
0: Yeah, that's really great. There you have it. Awesome. All right. Well, you want to tell us about our guests today?
1: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited about these people. I I don't know them, as is often the case when people come on. But... When I read uh, about who they were and I, I you know, took a look at their upcoming book, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So Jeffrey Ulrich, uh, a psychologist, his wife, Amy, he's a nine. She's a two. They're real familiar with the Enneagram, both deeply appreciative of it. They have a, a new book called The Six Needs of Every Child, Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection and we just have this really remarkable conversation around you know oftentimes how we as parents ask ourselves the question what am i supposed to do what 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 what, what can i do right now you know with this child of mine when really the question is uh who am i supposed to be how can i be with my child right now and they have they, they go through six different needs And what we discover is the relationship between those six needs and these different Enneagram types and it's just a rich conversation. It's a fantastic conversation.
0: That's great. Well, let's go ahead and move to uh, the podcast now and we'll welcome Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich.
2: Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich, welcome to Typology. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. We're
3: really happy to be here with you.
2: You
1: are our first guests from New Zealand. Yes, it is a long way away. And
3: sometimes we're surprised to be here ourselves. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, I bet you do. You're actually heading into winter, aren't you?
3: We are. It's okay. autumn here, and um, and the days are getting shorter. So it just feels very, I'm still, we're, we've been here almost three years and still getting used to the seasonal switch.
2: I mm. lot. It's very weird to be thinking it's a May and it's getting colder. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I
1: guess that could it's play with right. you a little
2: bit. Yeah.
1: That could play with you a
2: little bit. Well, we're so
1: delighted to, to have you on the show. Um, you know, we want to be talking to you about your your new book, the, C- the Six Needs of Every Child, Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection. But before we do, I want to uh, really actually first ask you about your Experience with the Enneagram and how it how it came to be. And Jeff, I'm also Jeffrey. I'm also interested in your perspective on the Enneagram as a psychologist, mm. um, and uh, which is a question I ask of psychiatrists, psychologists, mental health workers all the time. So, to you, tell us about your Enneagram journey.
3: Okay. Um, well, the Enneagram has been really meaningful in our lives, and I discovered it about. Um, probably two and a half years ago, I, probably from a friend's post on social, you know how these things get shared, but we had recently moved to New Zealand and I, um, it was after a job change and I was really just looking at a pattern of myself where I was just wanting to understand um, why I did the things that I did, um, why I felt like sometimes other people reacted to me the way that they, that they do, mm-hmm. and just feeling like I was ready to get healthier. Um, and so the Enneagram really came into my life at the most perfect time. And it seemed so obvious. I kept taking the test cause I wanted to be sure I'm that kind of person, but I feel like I'm a pretty strong two, Um, and really just trying to figure out about this, this overgiving thing and getting redirected back into to learning how to love myself. And then, mm. then I can more healthfully love other people. But that's been the journey for me over the last couple of years.
1: Oh, fantastic.
2: Yeah. And Amy passed that on to me, what was going on for her, which was exciting, you know, uh, within our relationship. And but as a psychologist, you know, I can't help going to the place of like, oh, especially as a child psychologist, um, one who's interested in human development, thinking about, oh, how do we get there to Mm -hmm. those places? Um and you know, assuming and expecting that things are multi-determined, that it's not just genes or just environment. Um, but because parenting is where we uh, where I, myself sit so much in helping families, thinking about oh, uh in terms of the needs that children have, and we've written about in our book, how does meeting those needs in different ways or neglecting certain of those needs um push people towards uh these types which was really exciting to think about so i do a lot of traveling I'm on the road serving uh rural communities and i would listen to on the road uh, 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 listen to your podcast uh and really reflect on these things so it, it's been a real pleasure to think about the intersections of children's needs and the uh in the enneagram so yeah. i want to get to I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were
1: say? No,
3: no, no. I was going to say it was, and I just think also personally, it's been it's been interesting because that was again. I'm so much about the interpersonal relationships. So you, so you didn't you kind of um, latch on pretty quickly to you being a nine.
2: Well, yes. Yeah, so I, I <laughs> should point out, of course, as the psychologist, we're we're we like to diagnose ourselves as well as everybody else. Uh, so I zeroed in uh, uh, pretty quickly on nine, um, which uh, felt like that made sense to me, given as a therapist, uh, much of my work is is therapy and working with individuals, families, I've done couple work, um, and I've always gotten that feedback that I think nines get that I can hear two sides of a story and both sides feel like I'm on their side. Um, There are unhealthier parts of that, which drift more into my personal life or more intimate relationships, but that, that part really resonated for me. Yeah, nines and twos both make great therapists. Um,
1: they both have, you know, challenges. You just mentioned one. As a mediator, oftentimes uh, psychologists who are nines uh, will be able to see the pers- everybody else's perspective except their own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when they can't see their own, they're not able to sort of land the plane and say, okay, well, here's the problem, you know. Uh, and that also happens because they're trying to avoid conflict and disconnection in, in the room um and twos of course uh where where you can start to run into uh trouble is by overgiving uh and but by, by actually not having your own feelings but if you were a therapist with your th- with your client in the room you might tend to begin having their feelings instead of your own
2: yeah
1: uh which can you know be very problematic if you can't to right. you know discern what's happening in the moment when you're when you're being with people but boy you you all have such great gifts for being in the helping world and i'm and i'm and i'm glad that you are so what have you learned yourselves personally uh about because you know we've just actually been we've done this series on parenting for instagram and on youtube our youtube channel and uh Oh, it just got a tremendous response, uh, you know, because people are just trying to figure it out. You know, like I, I often I say I often have sat up at nights, but when my when my kids were younger, and I kept thinking to myself, are we doing this parenting thing right, or am I should I start laying money aside now for future therapy? I mean, you know, like you know, there was always that element of self doubt and and, yeah. and wondering, you know, um, and of course as life went on, I realized that it was enough to be a good enough parent. I didn't have to be a perfect parent, Right? you know. Um, That said, is there anything you've learned from parenting, not only from your work in your book, but from the Enneagram?
2: Yeah, you know, that's really interesting, because when we had this opportunity to explore the issue more directly, I kind of circled back uh, to look Um, at my type and Amy as well and think more carefully about that in regards to parenting and what both of us I think found and Amy can speak to her side of it was and would love your feedback about this uh, really is I'm on I I think I'm a nine with a one wing and what I noticed in reading both is that um, when I'm being mindful and my healthy nine um, I parent with the ability to really sit and listen and hear everything, but also have some boundaries and move things forward. But when I get unmindful, and it's and there's not the issue of disconnection, it's just sort of the busyness of life, I kind of slide over, I think, to my one wing, where it's, I'm just kind of rigidly uh, wanting to, uh, well, judge in a certain sense how things are going or how my kids are doing. Um, and, but if there's disconnection, uh, if that's an issue that's kind of bubbling up, that's when I can slip into my unhealthier side of nine. So mm. I, I thought that was interesting to think about how one wing actually had some components of my parenting that were relevant in a lot of day-to-day sense that um, weren't necessarily, wouldn't have thought of immediately just thinking through a nine lens. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have a one parent? Yeah, I think um, my mom um, had one characteristics for sure. I don't know if she was a nine one wing also.
1: Yeah, I think ones, uh, children who grew up with ones uh, or people who have strong one tendencies uh, kind of swallow their inner critic whole, you know, and um, they don't have the same le- maybe the same level of volume that it does for a, for a dominant one, but you know, you sure can pick up a lot of those qualities. And if you have a one wing, you could just have what we call a heavy one, you know, a heavy wing. So that it's almost hard to tell. Am I a nine? Am I a one? You know, or I'm a vast I'm ping-pong back and forth really easily. You know, some people have weak wings and strong dominant types, and so it's less the case for them. It seems to me that like with nine parents, a lot of times the the struggles they have have to do around merging with the lives of their kids rather than differentiating and becoming their own person apart from them uh obviously it's pretty easy for a, a an unself aware nine to uh be too permissive with kids mm-hmm. um lenient uh for fear of conflict you know saying no Right. Um, and just building healthy boundaries, you know, uh, is hard, generally hard for nines as it is for twos. So what about you, Amy? What have you learned from the Enneagram about your parenting style?
3: Well, again, it's the same really fascinating question because I wouldn't say, and this could have to do with our childhood, This, but setting boundaries is not, not hard for either one of us. In fact, um, I find that the, My natural, I think I'm a two, three with a three wing. And I think that when I parent my kids, then the three really resonates more with me. And I don't know whether that's a closeness issue where that's actually more of my, um, my truer self (laughs) coming out in these close relationships. And, and two is kind of a social construct. I mean, I'm just, I'm fascinated by all of, I've heard that often women, Um, lean more towards too because we've learned that in certain ways and I love how you say over and over again I think in your book and things that I've heard you say is like we're not these are not definitions for who you are as a human I think in our work and and it sounds like in your work um I'm really fascinated with what does it mean to be human entirely. Right. And we all have these components, but I do find myself um, being more of a three in the relationship with the kids. So even being aware of these different types and I think, Oh, now is not the time that they, I need to be worried about their, um, you know, how they're appearing. (laughs) Now is the time for me to go into, to loving them and being my.
2: um, Healthy too. When you're healthy too with them, present with them. That's where your two actually is a real strength.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah it's fascinating yeah. I'm not a uh,
1: an Enneagram practitioner who who thinks that these numbers uh, define who human beings are, you know mm-hmm. um, that they are sketches, you know mm-hmm. um, you know light sketches of what the interior world of different people may be and what it's like to live in their shoes. Hmm. Um, but I wouldn't want to go so far down the road as to say, you know, it's some sort of magical right. you know, <laughs> system that is going to parse uh, perfectly the interior world of every human being on the planet. You know, life life will not cooperate with that kind of reductive thinking. Right. So I, I don't, I, I try not to go there uh, at, at all, you know? So Tell us about your book because I want to jump in and talk about the Enneagram a little bit al- alongside of your book and where there might be some intersections and some 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 common wisdom that m- might we might find ourselves illuminating each other uh, yeah. and, and our, our perspectives.
2: Yeah, I think um, when I, as I've thought about it over time, I think there are two kind of levels at which you can look at it. Um, The six needs really compose a whole which uh, are grounded in the science of uh, attachment, um, human attachment, the development Mm -hmm. of um, uh, human development in the context of what those patterns are early in life, um, which aren't fixed. People change in their attachment securities over time, but um, we tend to stay centered around certain patterns. Uh, And when I think about Enneagram, one of the things that really appealed to me, whereas most personality typing things kind of uh, I dismiss because they're rigid, right? It's like you're an ISTJ and that's kind of it doesn't give you much room to um, to move Uh, the whole idea of moving healthier and unhealthier within those types and across into different aspects of our humanity is really makes. Uh, uh, good sense to me and um, so uh, when I think about moving up and down I go right to security of attachment mm-hmm. where I think when we have had secure relationships growing up we're probably more likely to end up in that healthy side of whatever other things are contributing to to our Enneagram type mm-hmm.
3: and one thing that, that struck me when you were talking about lying awake at night wondering are you doing all this wrong (laughs) wrong because i think that's the question that all of us ask i mean we're just we're all we come home whether however our children are delivered to us right you're holding this person and you're thinking like what do i do right and so i think that what i hope that our work with the book and what i really believe what you're doing with enneagram is getting people to change the frame of that question because i think there's a much better question to ask which is not what do i do but how should i be with this person right? Mm -hmm. And so um, Enneagram and I hope the six needs are a way to look at people individually and say, what is this person about? And then how does who this person is? So this child of mine, who is sometimes hard for me to understand and reacts to the world much differently than I do. um, What does that say about him? And then how can I figure out how to love him when I have a true understanding of, how to love myself too, or who I am. So that's a real um, overlap that excites me to think about changing the frame of that question. To yeah. How do I be?
2: And within the, you know, breaking things down further, those six needs are really components of what we um, are designed for in terms of thriving, but each person is their own person. And so some of us are naturally gonna need certain of those needs uh, attended to more directly. Uh, or in certain ways, and our parenting, uh, you know, where we come from as individuals is sometimes going to mesh with that, (laughs) and sometimes it's going to be really hard, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think both Enneagram and just understanding what the components of human development, what we need, helps us think through, oh, where can I step next with this child in this moment, so.
1: Oh, that's beautifully said. I like that um the the, the question anthony hears me ask all the time is uh you know what does love require of me in this Mm -hmm. moment you know Mm -hmm. and it that's a when you consistently ask yourself that question several times a day going into conversations listening to people and in the back of your mind you know especially if an emotion comes up that's afflictive or you know squirrely or whatever, I stop and I go, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but what does love require of me in this conversation or in this mm-hmm. moment? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: because maybe I've been triggered by something. I don't have time to think about what it is in this moment, but mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go with what love tells me to do.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh so uh, you know I think I mentioned this earlier to you guys. I I've been fooling around with this idea of the Enneagram, which I think parallels something that you you all were just saying. We all grow up with needs for well, we all come into the world with a need for safety and security, right? We have food, shelter, warmth, uh, protection. Uh, we all come into the world with a need for esteem and approval. Um, that's that mirroring aspect, I think, you know, that, that as the mother gazes into the eyes of the child and the child's eyes gaze back, it not only validates to the child that they exist. It, you know, it, the child is being beheld and told you are beautiful. You know, um, we hope, right? Yeah, and, right? And pretty much uh, every, I had a friend of mine, a, a, a graduate school uh, professor once say to me, pretty much everything in the, the DSM that's not rooted in biology has to do with what happens when that gaze between the mother and the child uh, is interrupted or, or is not there, right? Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a very fascinating uh, mm-hmm. sort of uh, of insight. So and then maybe that third need uh, would be for a sense of mastery and control. I can, I, I can affect the environment. I can change the world around me. Right. And as I look at the Enneagram in those three triads, it seems to me that twos, threes, and fours have issues perceived or real deficits around approval and esteem. Yeah. And those strategies they develop are to get esteem and approval. Mm-hmm. So then if you have an 8, 9, and a 1, you have issues, really perceived deficits around mastery and control. Yeah. And so those strategies there that you see are ways of you know, getting those needs met in adulthood. Right. And right. obviously for five, sixes, and sevens, perceived are real needs around safety and security growing up. Therefore, they develop strategies to get it uh, uh, in, in adulthood. And in ways that are often, in all nine cases, do precisely the opposite. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: They actually yeah. thwart our efforts, our efforts thwart our ability right. to get those, those needs met. So what are the six needs? Tell me the six yeah. needs of, that, that children have.
2: So, so uh, there are six needs. And um, one way I think about them is uh, there's two sets. Um, and they relate to our human instinct to move out into the world, uh, to discover, um, to master it. Um, when things feel safe when things uh, when there's not distress in the environment um, and those needs are delight support and boundaries as we move out into the world uh, but you know life gets hard um, it's it's stressful and distressing in particular ways especially relationally at times um, and so we also have this instinct to pull back into a refuge and we're designed in relationship and for relationship and so that means going to a person who's there um, to protect, to comfort, and what we call equip. Um, so those six needs uh, can be thought of in terms of going out and moving back in. Mm-hmm. They can also be thought of uh, and paired just just uh, uh, as you described into these kinds of needs. Um, delight and comfort are, as you mentioned, mirroring needs. They are uh, they are the needs we have to be seen um, and not changed, just um, mm. held or uh, enjoyed um, to be present with. Um, and then you have those mastery needs, which are support, because when we're going out into the world, uh, help me figure this out. How does this work? You know? Um, and then you have equipping, which is an emotional guidance need, which is what do I do? when things are really uh, upside down for me emotionally. And then you have boundaries and protection, which are those security needs. Um, I've heard you say before, when we don't have boundaries, it actually is quite anxiety provoking for us. We need to know where the limits are and, and, and the consequences of our actions around us. That's, that grounds us. Uh, and then there are some times where we just need someone who's bigger, wiser, and stronger to step in. Uh, And take charge when there's real danger Uh, when that doesn't happen obviously that can have pretty significant consequences for us
3: and then in our book we've arranged the needs into a compass to kind of show that the movement of it how we go out and we come back and there's this natural give-and-take and And sometimes it's it's hard as parents because we just don't understand what (laughs) what it is that our parent uh, that, that our kids are needing from us and one thing I was thinking about is as I see myself with my kids, that three part of me that comes out and wants for us to appear like we're together and we're just genu- genuinely not together much of the time. Right. So, and so I go to support, like I go to that, like, this is how we do it. You know, this is how this, this is how your bed should look, or this is how your homework should look or, um, you know, this thing. And then I can, when I, when I, when I can use the Enneagram to say, Oh, I'm doing that thing that I do. Then I can go to the compass and say, where else could I go? Like right now, that's one direction that I'm always running to is this like over supporting, wanting them to look or be a certain way. I can go over, I can move to the light or I can move to comfort if they're struggling or I can move to, Mm. so it's this, it's this overlay of, all right, I think we get, we can get stuck in thinking that there's one way to go and feel hopeless. So our hope is with the six needs and especially in putting them in the compass is this idea of moving. It's just saying when we get in these moments where it's hard to know where to turn, there are Options, um, mm-hmm. and I think it can really equip us.
2: Yeah, like as a nine, if I'm feeling like connection is at risk, I just want to shut it down. I I want to I want to make it go away, uh, and I can do that in different ways. I can withdraw and just check out, um, or I can just try and shut things down and make the the discomfort go away. Because I'm, you know, in a parent-child relationship, I have kind of a power that I can I can make that happen. Uh, I recognize that's my unhealthy side of nine, but, but the six needs point me to where I really need to go instead of going that direction, which is slide into comfort and healthy boundaries. Cause that's, what's really going to help us stay connected. If I can just get through this moment of disconnection.
1: See, I,
0: uh, I love this. Go ahead, Anthony. I was going to say, I um, I love what everything that you just said, and I love uh, back to what you said earlier about the the question is not what do I do, but how mm. can I be with this person? Yeah. And it excites me because I'm I, I mean thinking about uh, myself as a parent, for me to delight in my child who is a seven, it looks totally different than to delight in my child mm. as a one yeah. uh, or my child who's a six. so, yeah to understand you know myself as a 4 and then how I can be with each one of those it it, it as I'm I and I can't wait to read your book but it it informs how I would interpret the word delight how I would interpret you know how protection and comfort because those things look very different for for different mm-hmm. people and different numbers
3: mm-hmm. that's right
0: love that yeah
3: and the, and the hope is, it is so exciting. I, that's so exciting to me. And the hope is that even putting it into a compass is that, I don't know, and I, and I wanna talk to any moms who are particularly listening. We get this message, like even how we're talking, and I don't mean this in a bad way, this is the frame that we've been given, is like the <laughs> the mother's gaze and whether or not we're like smiling at our kids is gonna determine their future forever. That's not, trust me, I know that that's, I mean, that's just all the parenting books I've ever read and it makes me feel so mm-hmm. overwhelmed and just, and so. The, this idea of the journey. I think Enneagram does this so beautifully and that this is a journey and we're going to, we're going to disconnect and come back together. And it's about this. It's about realigning Mm -hmm. our compasses on the, in the compass, in the book, we actually have two, um, the pointer is split in two because the kids are going to want, it's going to need one thing and we're going (laughs) to need the other. And it's really up to a parent to figure out how to align. Um, but it's this, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. And if we start to to ask ourselves that question, how should I be with this person? We can start to envision the future with them. And we can start to think like this moment when Mm. they've been screaming for two hours at bedtime, because I have not adequately loved big dog. I have not expressed my love for this animal (laughs) adequately. Okay. (laughs) Like these things happen and there's like no way through it, but through it. Right. Um, but like, then you start to see, but there's this long-term life with them. And so today was terrible. Like today was a terrible, terrible day. And my gaze was not loving. Um, But like tomorrow I can try again. And this six month period, six month period with them might be super hard, but like we're going to keep realigning. We're going to keep figuring out who we are together.
1: Sounds like a lot of what you're talking about here is the, is the need for parents to um, live in, sort of a place of self-compassion a lot of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I grew up in a very difficult home. I, I came into parenting ill-equipped, une- I mean, really inexperienced. You know, I, the the only way I could say is, the way I came into parenting was I knew what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, based on experience, I knew definitely what not to do. Right. But I had no idea of what to do, you know? Uh, and you know, my kids survived, uh, our mistakes, you know? And, um, they, they, they often heard us say we were sorry, uh, for our mistakes. And they've heard that as adults, you know? Um, and, uh, uh, what, and I think what I meant by the, the mother's gaze and mirroring, which also happens with fathers, is that um, nobody in this broken planet, nobody does that perfectly. You know, we, we, it's just impossible, right? And, uh, we, you know, otherwise we'd be in Eden for crying out loud. And, and I think one of the beautiful things, I mean, as a person who identifies as a, a, a person who deeply believes in God, I think that part of the journey is handing our children over. I I think there's the opportunity for our children to experience a profound mirroring with God that can do a lot of repair. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like what I missed, God, you know, whatever I missed in that mirroring process, I sure hope you can convince my child that they're safe, that they're loved and that they, that they have control and mastery and freedom. Yeah. So, you know,
2: that's that's the good news uh, uh, in, in, in this whole discussion. Yeah, and, and it makes me also think, you know, one of the things I hope that comes across in the book is that when we're talking about your children, which is kind of the hook, we, we love our children we want to do right by them, but recognize as, as we describe what children need, it sits alongside of these are human needs. Like you had Mm. these needs as a child yourself Mm -hmm. and you still have them now and you have a story around those needs. And just like Enneagram invites you to reflect on that story and bring it forward. um, That's what we hope with the needs is it helps people uh, develop that reflective capacity, which is a hallmark of secure, Um, attachments but for so many of us who didn't have those um, that's a that's something you have to work toward that reflection um, to consider what does it mean to have not had a mom or dad who really Mm -hmm. paid a lot of attention to me um, or other things that maybe weren't met uh, for an individual and and that's right it's a journey and have a lot of grace we would use the word for the journey and patience I think can, can really free people up.
3: Something that really freed me so much was, I don't know if you feel like talking about the strange. So Jeffrey's a um, certified coder in the strange situation, which is this attachment protocol. Um, is there any way to talk about that? Briefly, um,
1: yeah. please explain I mean, attachment theory to us in the next uh, it's uh, just so fast, like, 60 you seconds. Even, like, if
3: fascinating, but um, but just say what the thing is, then I'll tell you what I'm finding. Fascinating, like, explain oh, the I, could,
2: I could nerd out on it. No, no, right don't now.
3: nerd out, but just so <laughs> <laughs> explain what the, what, the, what the situation is, and then I want to say what I'm thinking. Yeah, about. like um,
2: so, maybe I would start here. Most of us tend to orient to like big ticket items, um, in our history is like that time, that, but really they often don't tell you the thing you need to know. Um, and when researchers, a woman, uh, my Mary Ainsworth was trying to put scientific feet, empirical feet on this idea that there's something that is, there's a bond that a child has with a caregiver that, um, that that is designed to do certain things Um, and there ought to be differences between couples and how that goes and those differences could be meaningful for understanding human development she needed to develop some strategy to stress people out but not so much that we just end up like not really being able to tell the difference uh between one child or one couple and another. So strange situation is just this device where a parent and child are put in a room to play with toys to explore from a context of safety. Ooh, this is fun. And then you start stressing the kid out a little bit, you bring a stranger in. That's for a young child like, okay, hold on. Uh what are the, you know, it needs language, what are the boundaries and is there protection here? Am I safe? Um, And then you leave the child alone with that stranger, which kind of ups the ante a little bit more. And then you bring mom back and see how they walk through that distress uh, to their relationship. Uh, And then you repeat it by leaving the child alone and then bringing mom back again. And so there's that little tweaking of, that's everyday life, these moments where we get disconnected in just Mm -hmm. little subtle ways. And we have to negotiate reconnection. Uh, And some couples really struggle with that. And some couples muddle their way through. And that whole idea of good enough parenting is really important. Like you don't need perfect parents. You just need to find your way from disconnection back to connection.
3: Right. And this is where, okay, so this is the part where my mind just like explodes with like hope and joy about being a mom because so the first couple of years that we were married two or three years, Jeffrey coded, he was doing all kinds of, um, so he was a coder of these, ta- these interactions, often high risk families. So he is an expert at like, Okay, how do, the parent, how do the child and the parent, do they glance up and look at each other? Or does the child look away? Is there a little smile on their lips? You know, it's like there are all these different ways to code secure attachment. And as someone who can, when I'm under stress, really think about how do other people appear, my, my thinking was that for that to be a successful experiment, the child would have greeted the stranger when they walked in. The child would have happily played with the toys. When the mother came in, they would say like, oh, hi, mom, kind of thing. Um, that's not the sign of security at all. The sign of security is the parent realizing there was stress involved and can they come back together? Like, does the child even like look up at the mom and go in for a hug? Like it's not, I, I don't know why, why it's, so I don't know if I can articulate how much it means to me that it's not about how our kids appear or whether they achieve or what they're doing, what they think we should do. It's whether or not we can come back and embrace after harm has happened that actually sets the stage for all of their future growth and development, mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and that's really exciting to me as someone who has that achievement <laughs> view.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I've often can't remember, but I think in many ways, raising kids is oftentimes uh, just teaching them how to steward their own suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's inevitable uh, and uh, part of what I hear you saying is that that part of the answer to that is coming back right it's it's about restoring connection yeah. um, the, I wanted to say these six needs again one was delight right which is essentially I see you uh, the next was support right how can I help uh, another one is boundaries how far is too far Protection, meaning are you safe? Uh, Comfort, uh, which means I see your suffering. Uh, And equipping, which is where to from here, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it seems to me that different Enneagram types would do some of those tasks a lot better than others, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's pretty clear. I can almost go through those six things and go, (laughs) oh, well, I'm a four, I really do comfort. Well, I, you know, I see your suffering. I'm pretty good with that. You know? Uh, whereas, um, you know, I'd say in some ways I'm not very good. Probably I'd say I'm not great with how can I help? You know what I mean? In in some ways, I'm much better about how can I sit with you in your suffering than I am at how the heck do I get you out of it? You you know, I mean, I can do it, but I have to burn more calories uh, in order to do it, right? So uh, do you see a parallel there too? Have you kind of thought to yourself, well, gosh, maybe I think certain Enneagram types are better at some of these skills or providing these
2: things or being these ways with kids than others? Absolutely. And you think about also the healthy versus unhealthy sides of that, right? So, a self aware for would have gotten to that place like, oh, this is familiar territory. Let me show you what I've learned in this suffering place and where, what the options are from here. And so, that becomes an equipping thing that right. you move into that piece, you know, to move forward with some hope rather than just wallow in the four, right? Uh, just an emotional piece of it. Um, Yeah, there's interesting ones, like I'll bring up seven because that one really compelled to me. Uh, You know, most of these, or I think a lot of these will align um, in in pairs in terms of what comes more easily and what is harder to come by. Um, It's interesting to me, the seven, usually delight and comfort go together, they're mirroring needs. It strikes me that a seven, for instance, would be very comfortable seeing you when things are sort of like good and okay, like, you know, keep it positive. (laughs) But that if it's, if there's pain involved seeing that um, and bringing comfort to that would be very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I I think uh, that they're interesting combinations Mm -hmm. for each of these types um, where you would recognize, Oh, I'm very familiar with that. I can roll with that. The challenge will be when you see something that's, oh, I can do that. The question is, but do I put it in overdrive? (laughs) Because one of the things that most people probably um, would would need to wrestle with, we're so tuned to thinking more is better. And for the needs, for the most part, except delight, um, most of those needs are in their sweet spot when when it's enough but not too much. We bring too much of that thing, we actually mm-hmm. we inhibit our children's autonomy and development. So some things we're gonna be like, I just don't even recognize that need. And some I'm like, I'm going in there hard. Uh so that would be a good example. I think with four, you could probably come in hard with comfort, but then get lost in there, not be able yeah, to get so out. So
1: this is very enneagram-centric sort of thinking. Like yeah. like um when you over-rely on your superpower, it becomes your kryptonite. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a two and you're really great at, let's say, support, right? Um, you know, if you, if you throw that thing into overdrive, it becomes smothering. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it becomes, um, you know, you may, you're actually trying to get your own needs met right. through meeting the needs of your children. Right. Uh, you know, I always say, you know, be, you know, I always tell two moms or dads, you know, be careful that don't confuse flattery with words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are two different animals. And uh, oftentimes twos will use flattery as a way of gaining appreciation, you know, uh, which is about getting their own needs met. Um, and uh, but I love how when you look at when you, if we were to feather feather these, if we were to lay these sort of two systems down, the enneagram and these six needs, I think it would be fascinating to to work with them a little bit, and as parents to know, okay, well, as a two, I can do all of these, right? I mean, I, I you know to some degree I can do all of these, but I'm right. really good at these three or right. these two, and my partner is really good at these two or these three, you know, and it's sort of like how do we negotiate what we're really good at? You know, mm-hmm. like um, I may be very good at, at support and I'm pretty good at delight, actually. Um, and, but my wife may be much better at, you, you know, I think protection. And, um, and, and so sometimes I defer to, to mm-hmm. her judgment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And say, so, yes. okay, in this moment, what love requires yeah. is protection. Yeah. Now I can do that. I can bring it 30%. My wife can bring it 90%. <laughs> So I, I'm going to kind of support her in that effort in the moment, if it's mm-hmm. possible. In a perfect right. scenario, is that kind of how you envision parenting? Is like where where you have two people. Hopefully, I realize that there are families where there's a, a single parent, but where it's like you know you you start to learn each other's superpowers and yeah. and you know kind of leverage and and maybe defer is not the right word, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's like saying you got this, you know, you, you know, I'm going to let you take the wheel on this
2: one. Is that, is that how that works? Well, it's certainly um, an an advantage one has if you're well paired, (laughs) you know, in terms of your relationship, if you're co-parenting with somebody, Um, because I can think of a lot of times where I just have to step out because I can't do the thing that I know my child needs, but Amy is equipped to. Um, And again, a lot of that comes down to where am I on my scale in terms of my health within my, Mm -hmm. you know, this in this moment, I'm not a healthy nine. I just want it to be, you know, the distress to go away. Um, But Amy's got since oftentimes when we see each other struggling Mm -hmm. in our types, it kind of calls us forward Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we do that tag team. I need to step up to my healthier version Mm because I can provide that need Mm -hmm. now. You know, and when we're at our best, we you know you know a lot of days we're not at our best. When we're both in the unhealthy versions of ourselves, but yeah, it's a wonderful gift to be able to have to hand over to someone who can move into that space.
3: And it's interesting too. I just think even having knowing, just like Enneagram, knowing these types and thinking about them, knowing the needs, just having the, <laughs> some of the options limited, like so having these six choices and thinking about them is so helpful. And I, what you were saying, Ian, just this idea of the tag team of it, I, I, it made me think of a night where it was just gone so late and one of our boys was struggling and you came in and you were, I think it was a hard week at work. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was just wiped out and I was wiped out too, but not as wiped out as he was. And he says, I don't even know what he needs right now. I've gone through the compass. I don't know what he needs. And I was like, I know what he needs. Mm -hmm. I just, I could see that he was so tired. I said, he needs comfort. Yeah. It was like, let me do it. Like I'm going to go in and I'm going to do it. And it, it took another hour but it was, it was done. (laughs) What our child needed at that moment, we could provide it. Um, but it is that, so it's that.
2: You moved into that healthy too. You were like, I need to step into my healthy too.
3: Yeah. Just cause I saw him struggling. I mean, families are so complex, right? And also when we're doing it on our own, like it's, I just find that for me, limited choices are helpful. (laughs) And so to be able to tick through these things in my mind and think, okay, like, Let me try this direction. Oh, I tried that direction. That went terrible. Okay, I think this is it, is really, really helpful
1: to us. Mm. Mm. So what's it like for a two to be married to a six? What are the dynamics of that?
3: Oh, to a
1: nine? You mean to a nine? Oh, to a nine. A two and a nine. What's that like?
3: I am incredibly fortunate to be loved by this guy. Um, (laughs) I don't know how anybody, I don't know. I just feel like I can be very... I would be curious to know more about twos. I can be very up and down. Um, and I think that steady nineness of him, um, just always seeing, I do think as we've gotten, we've been married for almost 22 years, right? No,
1: yeah, 22. I don't know. I don't know somewhere, uh-oh. somewhere uh-oh. in there. Um, after 20, after 20, <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> it. But, I, mean,
3: I do think <laughs> i have had to get healthier. Um, to see what you talked about with the nines not knowing themselves, I think because I can, um, because you give so much in your in your work, um, and the kids require so much. I think for him to say this is what I need, and for me to start tuning my mind into what does he actually need, and making space in the relationship to hear that. I think that's as our relationship has moved into health, that's been a pretty important part. Yeah,
2: that's me. probably the growth point. I think. Or I perceive the two not. I need to step up and kind of own a thing. And and Amy needs to step up uh, and sort of uh, not not jumping in to manage right. what sensed, you know, um, emotion I'm having.
3: Or if he says something, to not take it as this is such a two thing. Not take it as a criticism. I've yeah. done something wrong. Right. It's more like no. He just has a he just has something that has to happen. It's not doesn't reflect on me really at all. Right.
2: Yeah, so I mean I'm very grateful for a, a two because it's somebody attending to me in the in the good that good space in a good way. That's a really healing for me because I um, grew up in a home where I often felt a little bit lost, um, not seen. So she a two will see me, um, but communicating about what do I really need well she can't name that for me I've got to name that for myself and be okay with maybe um, how that's going to go for her which that's her side of managing what am I going to do with that just give into it or also assert her own needs so that two nine can be tricky but it's also healing I think for both of us the healthy parts of it
1: yeah well, I, am, I haven't had a chance to, I mean, I read sort of a precease of the book. I haven't had a chance to actually, you know, uh, dive into the manuscript and read it page for page, but I'm looking forward to it because just what, what what I did read of it, I was reading it thinking to myself, gosh, this really would be a wonderful ancillary um, work for people who love the Enneagram to read this book or parents, you know, um, because there's the internal logic of what you're talking about uh, syncs up with the Enneagram pretty well, you know? And, um, you know, I would say to people too, that this is good information, even if you have grown children, you know, I think we, we uh, I'd like to see more books written about relationships with adult children. You know, I mean, I know they're out there, but I think many people struggle to figure out how to navigate relationships with older kids. I mean, I have kids in their twenties. And so I, I, I think about it all the time. Um, and, and really the, my kids still need equipping comfort, uh, yeah. protection, boundaries, uh, support, delight. They need all of those things just in a different way. You know, yeah. it, 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 it's not going to be like when they were five, but, but you know, parenting just, it doesn't end when they turn 18.
2: That's right. And, and, uh, culturally i think we're primed to think of parenting as a job that begins and ends Um, but that doesn't acknowledge the reality of our design which is we're designed for relationships that have continuity Mm. (laughs) and what does it look like to think about from the beginning or earlier on like this is a lifelong relationship i have it has different demands at certain stages but the continuity of it is I'm in this intimate relationship with this, this cool, interesting, wonderful, and also imperfect person. (laughs) And I'm, and I'm those things too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's pushing back against just that frame of like, what do I do now? Well, that's not what a relationship is about. It's about how do I be with this person in this point in time? Yeah, I love that. It's a good place for
1: us to end, and and I, I just want to encourage everybody to um, check out the six needs of of every child, empowering parents and kids through the science of connection, uh, written by Jeffrey Ulrich, PhD. Might as well throw on the credentials there, and uh, and Amy Ulrich, uh, a nine and a two, I think. It, feathers so nicely well first of all with our having just recently done an Enneagram and parenting series mm. uh, and for those people who want to do a deeper dive into the subject this sounds like a perfect book to do it with and I think what people are gonna do is they're gonna make natural connections between yeah. their types and the things that you talk about in in the book and I'm super stoked how do how do people learn more? tell us what your website is what your socials are how people can learn more about what you're doing
3: Oh, great. Thanks. So the book uh, is coming out on June 9th. So it's coming out next month um, and you can find more about the book at the six needs.com. And then we have um, our website is growing connected, growing And we're on social at growing connected.
2: And I'm on Twitter at Jeffrey Ulrich. And we're, I'll talk, uh, you know, explore different issues and psychology and child development.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, y'all, I, I, we've only had 40 minutes together, but I'm already a fan.
3: Oh, and, uh, big time. Uh,
1: big time. And I love what you're doing, and I hope our folks will take advantage of it uh, when the book drops uh, in June, uh, in the middle of your winter, um, <laughs> in, in, in the front end of our summer. And uh, we, we really wish you all the best in, in, in everything that you're doing
3: well we just have really loved being with you thanks for having us thank you yeah
1: you bet well friends y'all know what i'm gonna say now i'm gonna remind you of the words of the great oscar Wilde: be yourself everybody else is already taken Mm -hmm. until next time we'll see you